I'll stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Where you get that from? Grab a mic, spit one Let me hit that blind Pimp C, 8 ball and MJG Keep spitting that P to the IMP Bun B, that's Texas, baby Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby Short dog, that's Business and Buckets, fam we are live, episode 125, coming at you on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. And um, what a interesting San Antonio fight night card we have to break down. No UFC action this weekend, but there's still things going down in the MMA world, Bellator, NPFL, and Gamebred Boxing. So before we talk sports, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at the Business and Buckets podcast, and that is fueled supplements. So if you guys have uh, trouble sleeping, do you wake up groggy, not feeling like you've even rested? Do you toss and turn at night? If so, it's time to get knocked out. It's back. The market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula knocked out is now in stock with a facelift. You have two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. You can experience an unreal night's rest with this all-in-one sleep formula. You get superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. You can fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. It regulates depressive and sedative action critical for relaxation. Decreases stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset. Increases growth hormone production as well. You get two delicious flavors to suit your taste buds. Watch your sleep improve, your mood improve, your productivity improve, and your life improve with knockout with knocked out. You can save some cash. Go to fueledsupplements.com. Use my promotion code buckets for 15% off. Once again, promotion code buckets, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. I know that sleep is something that I take super seriously and had not in previous years. Uh, sometimes you just hit a certain age and things change up on you. But knocked out's definitely been something that I've used before. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, it just helps, <clears throat> I think, put you into like a deeper REM sleep. I have my whoop strap now that I can track things a lot better. And it's really interesting to see what affects your sleep. Um, you know, if you're smoking or drinking, if you're drinking liquids too late, you have to wake up to pee. Um, you know, I'm cold plunging now, so I'm seeing how that changes supplements. There's just so many different things that affects your sleep. Stretching and mobility before sleep um, versus just being tightened up from sitting for a long time before you sleep. The list goes on. But again, check out Field Supplements. Uh, my buddy Josh Morin, congratulations on having his baby boy. Um, lots of awesome things coming. Rebrand coming soon with him. Field Supplements. We got Farm Sushi. Really exciting things coming in the future. And kind of a bummer. There's no UFC action this week. I don't mind it. Um, this weekend's card was pretty solid. I went and saw the Angels' final spring training game here in Tempe before they went back to L.A., and the season starts this Thursday. Really excited for opening day baseball. The Angels got me hyped. And uh, just kind of relaxed this weekend. Saw uh, my good friend from uh, good friends from Wyoming and Tucson. Because my car had got totaled, I got a new Dodge uh, 2020 Dodge Ram pickup. Got a little my first little drive to see Tucson, the University of Arizona, and some good company. Um, so yeah, nice little easy weekend for me, but I'm in grind mode, right? I'm in, I'm in the mode of just making shit happen at work, making shit happen with the podcast rebrand. 
and, and enjoy the nature that the desert has to offer before it's too damn hot to do anything. That's why I got the pool, got the cold plunge, got central AC. We're chilling. No pun intended. But let's talk about some fights that have been booked. What's going on around MMA this weekend. We'll recap UFC Fight Night San Antonio. And then we'll just talk about what's to come, what's booked in UFC. A little roadmap of the future. So we have David Onama taking on Kusain Askabov. I don't have a date booked with that. I, I forgot to put that one on there. But that's coming, I think, April or May. Good to see David Onama back. Him and Nate Landwehr's last matchup was bonkers. Uh, we get D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez against Ian the Future Machado Gary. I'm going to call him Ian Gary. May 13th, uh, another step up the ladder, so to speak, for Ian Gary. A really awesome fight booked. Armand Sukarian versus Renato Moicano. Give me my money, April 29th. Um, you know, he, he's a legend after his last fight, uh, post-fight uh, interview. So really excited to see what he does next. We have Kamara Usman's littler, bigger brother, Muhammad Usman, from Ultimate Fighter, taking on Junior Taffa. I'm sure he's related to Justin Taffa. April 22nd, uh, Tim Means versus Alex Morano, May 13th. That should be a very evenly co contested bout. A filler in for the UFC 287 in two weeks. We got Ignacio Bahamondes taking on Trey Ogden. I've really enjoyed Bahamondes in his recent uh, bouts, so really excited to see him in short notice. We have D Diana Balbita versus Maria Oliveira going on in UFC 289 in a few months. Carlos Olberg, Ehor Pot Poteria, May 13th. That's going to be... Uh, a nutty, uh, you know, I would assume a non-decision bout there. The young stud Tatsuro Tyra taking on Clemson Rodriguez, June 24th. Another fun matchup of, of a very young fighter in the flyweight division. And then there's some things that have, uh, you know, fallen in the aftermath of the bantamweight matchup. Supposedly, it was uh, Umar Nurmagomedov was offered the Murab Dwalishwili fight which was in the works for July. I'm, I'm guessing international fight week. Um, but Marab said, no, him and his team, he has a hand injury and is now more into the Corey Sandhagen fight, which we'll talk about what my thoughts are on that here in a little bit. So some drama in the stacked bantamweight division, Aliyah Topiria, according to, I believe his manager, uh, he has the option of fighting Brian Ortega or Josh Emmett. The thought of either of those opponents is pretty wild. I'm, I'm hoping for the Brian Ortega Matchup since we didn't get to see him with his, his shoulder going out against Yair. Bummer news. We have Li Jingliang out of the fight against Michael Chiesa due to a spinal injury that may require surgery. So he'll quick Li. Uh, the, the fight fans around the world are excited to see you back in the octagon because you always put on a show. Looking fly in the suit last time. Augusto Sakai is off the UFC roster. Uh, finally got a win after a fight skid, no longer re-signed. His contract was up. Kind of interesting. I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to see if he does end up pulling together a potential new agreement with the UFC or if he fights elsewhere. Uh, Donald Cerrone in San Antonio, a big uh, display of emotions from him. As Dana White surprised him with his family in San Antonio, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in the post-event Press conference, Dana White even said they try to privately fly out his grandma, who
who has some health issues and try to get her there in person for the event. So you just love to see those types of things. And there's not a lot of non-UFC champions in the Hall of Fame. Very, very well earned by Cowboy Cerrone, the impact he had with his uh, badass ranch, the fighting training, the coaching, the involvement, the growth of the sport. Bravo, Cowboy. Tip of the cap to you. So this weekend we have Bellator action. Uh, Bellator also announced Vadim Nemkov taking on Yoel Romero for the championship. That's going to be an awesome, awesome fight. I'm super stoked for that. And then Sergio Pettis is going to fight Patricio Pitbull for the bantamweight title. Uh, Patricio has been cutting weight to get to bantamweight, trying to get another title under his name. So some very, very exciting, probably the more anticipated fights for me uh, coming up in the summer. I believe that's June. But this weekend, Bellator 293, not a super stacked card this Friday in Temecula, California. Prelims at 4 p.m., main card at 7 p.m. But what has me fired up is Wyoming alumni from uh, the wrestling team. He's a legend, the Misfit Mafia. I've repped his merch. He's here in Phoenix. Super uh, you know, stoked to see him make his Bellator debut. He fought in the LFA, tried to find some opponents. Not a lot of people wanted to fight against Bryce Meredith. So now he's in Bellator, uh, a guy I would love to have on the podcast one day. He's making his debut early in the prelims. And then the one featured fight that, that people would know about, you have Kat Zingano, ex-UFC fighter against Leah McCourt. That should be a great one. But I don't know a ton about it. I wasn't going to spend the time to research it. And the reason I'm not doing that is because I'm not recommending you guys to, you know, let's see. I don't even know if this is on TV. It's probably a pay-per-view. I don't recommend that you guys spend your money on it. I want to find a way to stream the Meredith, Meredith fight. And uh, the rest, I don't care. Watch on Showtime. So let's see. This weekend, it's Bellator 293. I'm assuming it's Showtime pay-per-view. This is the problem with these promotions. It's like so hard to even watch them. That's why the UFC is growing so much. It's on ESPN Plus, on mainstream TV, YouTube channel. The main card airs at Showtime. So you can watch the prelim, prelims on YouTube, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's what I'll be doing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for a pretty hardcore MMA fan, someone trying to get into Bellator and PFL, those are the things that I care about. That's why I'm bringing it up to you. We're not just going to talk about it all and waste each other's time. Um I've talked about my experience with Bellator many a times, how, how much I've tried to give in, be a fan, and it just really has not worked out. And then Saturday, PFL action. Um, the first of the month, we got prelims on ESPN Plus at 3 p.m. Pacific. The main card on ESPN, free TV, 6 p.m. Well, I guess you got to have cable for that or, or ESPN Plus to watch it on the app, but you don't have to have a pay-per-view. And this, this card's stacked. Uh, they're living off of a lot of ex-UFC uh, fighter names. We got Brendan Lognane, uh, the defending tournament champion, taking on Marlon Marias in the main event. That's going to be awesome. Uh, clash of styles there. If I had to pick, I'd probably pick uh, Lognane. You know, he's more so in his prime. He's got the momentum. He's going to look to wrestle and grapple and not let Marlon's striking ability get to him. 
and Marlon has a suspect chin this far in his career, but I would not be shocked if Marlon won this fight. We have Robert Wilkinson against Tiago Santos. Uh, I really hope Tiago puts on a show here. Uh, he's had some very, very tough fights in the UFC uh, previously. Would love to see him go in the PFL and do some work. Uh, one of the more surprising cuts from the UFC or just didn't agree to a new contract, we have Christoph Jocko taking on Will Flurry. Really interested to see how his U uh, PFL debut goes. And then Chris Wade, Bubba Jenkins, two um, Bellator alums, but I love watching Bubba Jenkins fight. That's why I'm talking to you about it. Uh, every fight I've watched to him, he's put on a show. And then you have the technically undefeated, although he did have a loss that was overturned uh, to a no contest, who is uh, Daniel Pineda, who actually won this weekend. But you have 19-0-1 Movid Kabuleyev taking on Ryuji Kudo uh, at the start of the main card. So really good main card for PFL on ESPN. I'm super stoked about the Lognane fight to see how Christoph Jocko and Tiago Santos does. But that Chris Wade, Bubba Jenkins fight is probably going to be one of the better ones of the night. And also on Saturday, I'm a fight pass holder. So Gamebred Fox Boxing for Jorge Masvidal putting on a show in Milwaukee at the Bucks Arena, the uh, Fiserv Forum. That's happening uh, on Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard. You have the likes of Roy Jones Jr. boxing Anthony Pettis. Jose Aldo, Jeremy Stevens, that should probably be the better one. Vitor Belfort, Ronaldo Souza, actually pretty fired up for that as well. Pearl Gonzalez, Gina Mazzani. And then uh, there was supposed to be a matchup of Anthony Taylor, who was a, a pretty legit boxer, fighting Paul Daly, but Anthony Taylor withdrew for whatever reasons. Either way, really excited to see some of these guys box for the first time, or at least the first time I've seen them. I think Jose had a, a boxing bout already. Let's just double check that. Jose Aldo. Let's see. Or maybe he has another one right after this. That's zero, zero. So this is his first one. And then he has another one coming up. But either way, bravo to Jorge. This is going to be a fun one. I'm really interested to see what has more clout and, and shows out better. You know, we, we always try to compare these guys to the UFC. In my mind, there's no comparison. Which one of these puts on a better show? I would assume the PFL does. I wouldn't be surprised if the PFL and Gamebred blow Bellator out of the water. I've just really not been impressed with Bellator's production, what they put out, and the way the fights have laid out um, really since I've been trying for the past two years. So... Um, a lot of fight fight action, although no UFC this weekend. But let's talk about what went down in San Antonio. I went seven and three in my picks. Fights we did not break down that were were pretty at least noteworthy that you could go watch back if you're an ESPN Plus member. A nice win by CJ Vergara. He had a round two TKO, got fight of the night honors against Daniel Lacerda, and the first round was just straight chaos. And it was basically Lacerda hunting down Vergara because he rocked him. And Vergara was literally running around the ring trying to stay alive. And then somehow finds a way on top and gets a TKO in the second round. Daniel Pineda had a second round submission via guillotine choke. Great win for him. Steven Peterson took a loss, but he announced that he will be retiring. He lost via unanimous decision. 
a great career by Steven Peterson. I think he said 15 years in the fight game. And then the fight that I was probably more excited about than anything besides the main event, we had Alex Perez pulling out of the fight against Manel Cop due to seizures, which you never like to see. I don't want to blame anybody's health. But just the way these guys have had so many issues with weight issues, health issues, whatever it is, you almost knew this fight wasn't going to happen. And blessings to Alex. You know, I have no idea the seriousness of the situation. I just saw this, I think, on uh, an update on my phone or something like that. But uh, this would have been an awesome fight. We'll see what happens in the future. Um, Alex definitely hasn't fought as much as he, sh you know, as you would like to see him. And uh, I, I think the first priority should be his health because clearly he, he's battling some health stuff. Um, yeah, suffering seizure. So, uh, brutal news. Um, I, hope, I hope all is well. When I, I see something like that, you know, I have no idea if there was signs or, you know, the, the team knew something was going on before the fight. But as hard as it is for Manel to get a fight, all that work you put in, you made weight, it's the day of the fight, and, th and that happens. It's just brutal. They don't make the money they should be making. And that's why the UFC is one of the toughest roads. You got to give the champions all due respect. That's why I'm covering the sport. This is a sport I've chose to cover. Business and Buckets, if you didn't know, started as a, a full sports podcast. I talked about NFL, NBA, MLB, everything. I am nichifying. I've kept the name. It's going to be a podcast network as I split the business and only MMA for sports. But uh, it, it's a beautiful sport, a brutal sport. And I can't wait to tell the fighter stories further in detail because these are stories worth being, I guess, more understood and more more knowledge there, especially for people looking to enter the sport or wanting to do well in the sport. But let's talk in the prelims. We had Victor Altamirano with the unanimous decision over Venetius Salvador. And I've been hyping up Venetius. This is my guy. This guy has the it factor. And, and it started with the damn haircut, like the little triangle forehead cut. I have no idea what the hell is going on with that. But Venetius, please don't ever rock that again as it, it did not pay dividends for you. But this fight clearly was a high volume. I mean, a flyweight fight, you expect high volume. These guys are quick. Um, um, they can kill you with speed. Their cardio tanks are usually, you know, unmatched. And that was definitely the case here through three rounds. The chaos, the, the volume, the speed, wild. But Venetius was just coming in looking for those big shots, and he was just too chaotic, doing the crazy, you know, handstand kick, whatever the hell you call that, put your hands down, look to, like, scissor kick him. And I just wanted him to fight more of a clean fight. And because of that, he did get taken down quite a bit. I could understand, knowing Venetius's style, that, you know, you get a good wrestler, grappler, that's going to be tough, but he never tired, he kept fighting, I mean, obviously, at very end of round three, both guys are pretty gassed, but they kept going. And um, his takedown defense is actually pretty solid. So he's still a very young fighter. Let's look at the specifics here. I don't have a Jamie, so I'll do it. Joe, Joe Rogan reference, if you didn't know. Yeah, he's 26 years old. His birthday is this summer. Still super young, still super raw, but he has a lot of the it factor. He's got unquestionable confidence. He tra trains with Amanda Rebos' team. And I think he's in a good place, but he just needs to, he needs to tighten things up. 
He's like the junior high kid that's just a, a chaotic son of a gun. Once you get into high school, after your freshman year, you got to mature a little bit. I would say he's about to be a freshman, so he's still going through that maturity phase, and I'm sure we will see him come back better than ever. Lots of amazing fighters have lost their UFC debut and continued on, although you know, I consider their UFC record the Contender Series. They had the Contender Six Series victory. This is his first real UFC fight, UFC debut. Um, it was just a little too much. He was, he was too all over the place. When we look at the stats, we're talking about volume, man. Victor landed 109 total and 62 of those were significant strikes. He had three takedowns, although 22 attempts. So when I say that Salvador definitely battled in there, he tried to, to keep it standing. He did. He really did. I mean, three out of 22 is not a ratio that you really want if you're the grappler. And the, the fact that Victor was able to, to continue through these three rounds at the pace that Salvador was bringing and still get the decision victory. I mean, every round was razor thin. Um, I'm not surprised he got it just with the takedowns. because He didn't have a lot of control time. He wasn't controlling Venetius. Um, but when you have that many uh, takedowns, uh, takedown attempts with that many strikes, it, it's going to be hard for the other fighter to pull through. Um, Salvador landed 83 total strikes, 47 of those significant. He had one takedown himself in six attempts. Wild, wild stuff to start the main card. And Victor extends his winning streak to two. He is three and one in the UFC. I told you that's a pretty solid opponent for Venetius to debut against. I was impressed with Victor. I'm sure he'll be in the top 15 sooner than later. And Venetius has his four fight winning streak come to an end. He starts a new losing streak in his UFC debut. Where these guys go next, I would love to see Altamirano take on Jake Hadley, who just fought and won. He might be f- trying to get someone higher up in the rankings. Um, and then Venetius versus Jesus Aguilar. That would be a great matchup. Try to get things on track. Either way, I was very impressed with both these fighters, and they put on a show, although it was a little wild, right? Um, it's like you want to go out and have a date. Instead of a nice dinner and white cloth presentation, you ended up at a club. That's kind of what this fight was. And then in the main card, we had Albert Duraev with a split decision victory over Chidi Nokwani. Uh, I got this fight wrong as well. And this was a clash of styles, right? Albert was able to get get the takedown early. But the story for me, because he didn't have a ton of takedowns. He had two takedowns and only attempted three. The story for me was just the lack of striking. Chidi almost looked like Marlon Vera in the main event. Is you have... I think it was a six-inch reach advantage and leg reach advantage. And usually he is so aggressive. His nickname is Bang Bang. But something about the way Albert presented himself or, you know, who knows with health or weight cutting issues, I have no idea. But this was not the cheaty that I am used to seeing. And um, he just was not aggressive and did not pick his moments. And there was no way he was going to win rounds that way. By the end of it, you know, Albert was out striking him, which should not be happening. Uh, statistically, Chidi only landed 44 total and 40 significant strikes, which for a th- full three rounds, that, that's very uncharacteristic. Albert outstruck him with 68 total strikes, 45 of those significant, then had the two takedowns and three attempts. So, you know, it's not like Albert w- was in the game plan that we've seen where it's just relentless takedown attempts. You know, he only had a couple of them, got him when he needed them, but he was able to land some good striking against Chidi as well, which was very surprising to me. Especially Chidi coming off a loss, you would have thought he would be, um, you know, more aggressive there. Chidi extends his losing streak to two. He is two and two since the beginning of 2021, so he's been active. He's not in a terrible place. 
Albert starts a new winning streak. He is three and one since the beginning of 2021. So not as active, but he's got a, a good string of wins. Um, I would love to see Duraev take on Jung Yong Park. I think that'd be a great matchup. The winner of that's pretty damn close to the top 15. And then Chidi versus Wellington Terman stylistically would be phenomenal. Two long, lanky guys in the division with some serious power. Let's make that fight happen. Then the women showed off. We had Macy Barber with another split decision victory over Andrea Lee. I wasn't mad with any of these decisions personally. This was probably the closest one of the night as Macy had gotten taken down quite a few times. And much like the Venetius fight, though, it's not like Andrea had a ton of control time and was doing submissions and landing a lot of ground and pound. She'd get up and she did outstrike Andrea throughout a lot of the, the rounds and, and through the entire fight. And she landed the biggest shots, the biggest shots, most damage. So I, I, I would have picked Macy. You know, I had her in a parlay. I had picked her on here. So, you know, there could be some bias there. But even watching it back, I thought Macy won that fight. But it's tough because a lot of the times at the end of the rounds, Andrea got the takedown was it was finishing the round in control. But when Macy landed, she landed seriously. And Andrea didn't really land a lot on the feet. Uh, statistically, Macy landed 66 total strikes, 48 of those significant. She had two takedowns. She was two for two, 100%. Had a reversal. And then Andrea landed 57 total, only 39 of those significant. So not a ton of hard landed strikes. And she did have five takedowns. She was five for five. But those five takedowns, again, I just feel like the way the scoring is going is you have to have a lot of control time. You have to be moving in for submissions or looking for the ground and pound. And that's why maybe that Venetius fight was somewhat you know, sketchy. But I, I would have picked Victor myself. But in this fight, I think the judges showed what their curriculum that they're sticking to is. Now, Macy, the future, extends her winning streak to four. She moves up three spots to number 10. Andrea extends her losing streak to two, and she moves down one spot in the rankings to number 12. Now, give me Macy Barber, Jennifer Maya. Jennifer just took on Casey King O'Neill. She gets a little bit stiffer competition, another young up-and-comer. These are the fights that will help her get back to where she wants to be. Matchup-wise, that's box office. Grab your fucking popcorn. And then for Andrea, how about Tracy Cortez? We've talked about her hand injury lately. Maybe she won't be ready when um, Andrea wants to get back there. If not, she could fight Casey O'Neill. Someone ranked right by her. That would be a good matchup. Then we had Mr. Texas, Nate Landewehr. Nate the fucking train with a second-round submission via rear naked choke over Austin Lingo. This was a performance of the night, 50 Gs. Uh, give him 50 G's for the post-fight interview, talking about his biceps and all this shit. This guy is one hell of a character. And Austin, you know, held strong through a lot of the first probably three minutes of this round. It was back and forth in a boxing, maybe a little bit of kickboxing, but mostly boxing. And then Nate just started putting it on at the end of round one and finished round two pretty quickly. Um, very tough fight for Austin to take this on short notice. Again, Nate was preparing for Alex Caceres. Uh, who was ranked 15, Nate was, and now it's Caceres again for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, the show, the toughness is Austin. He was willing to be in there. He was willing to take the fight on short notice. He was trying to make, you know, a, a sparky move for his career. But N Nate was just the better fighter. Uh, Nate landed 68 total strikes, 64 of those significant. He had one takedown and two attempts, end of the submission attempt. And then Austin landed 50 total and 48 significant strikes, which you can see that volume... 
was uh, more than Chidi had his whole fight, who's known as a striker, and they had this in basically a round. So kind of gives you context there. Um, Nate extends his winning streak to three, and Austin has his two-fight winning streak come to an end and starts a new losing streak. I think that you run back the idea of Nate Landwehr and Alex Caceres. That would be fantastic. I'm, I'm already thinking of like how that would play out. You got Nate the Train talking about his biceps and you know ready to fucking stone cold Steve Austin the arena. Meanwhile, Alex Caceres is like Bruce, Bruce Leroy. He's going to come in calm, meditative state, breathing really well. Like it, I, That'd be a fun one. It, it really would. And for Austin, how about Gabriel Santos, who just fought recently, looked tough as well, didn't get the win. Both guys at their career, this would be a good opportunity, good style, matchup. Let's make that one happen, huh? Huh? Then we had the co-main event, the legend Holly Holm with unanimous decision over Yana Santos. And, you know, Yana's last name is Santos. Her husband's Tiago Santos. I just don't understand what the game plan was here. Um, Yana came in with just terrible form looking to grapple and, and clinch up with Holly and Holly would just take her to the ground. Um, Holly was landing some good strikes, but mostly early Yana was charging her like a bull. She'd get the takedown, try to find some ground and pound. And then she started out striking her as the fight wore on. She was tiring out. Uh, Yana even had her in a crucifix at one point. But the thing for me is like, yes, Holly's a boxer. Yes, she has no submission finishes in her career. Why not in this situation where you're just on top of her the whole time, try for submission? She won it. Never tried for an arm bar. Never tried to take her back. She was just trying to get ground and pound and find a way to get position to get that ground and pound finish, which, hey, who am I? I don't know what I'm doing. I would just like her to see to at least try to do the submissions. You know, maybe if she doesn't want to do that, I have no idea. But it was pretty much utter domination. Uh, Holly landed 105 total strikes. 32 of those were significant. She had four takedowns and six attempts, so pretty much at will. And Yana landed 120 total strikes, only 21 of those significant. Holly now has a new winning streak. She is 1-1 one one since 2020. She had some COVID issues, the fight cancellation. She's 1-1 one one even though she should be 2-0, but hasn't been super active. You know, she's 41 years old, still putting on a show. Uh, still looks to be in fantastic shape. And Yana extends her losing streak to two. Holly stays at number three in the rankings. Yana stays at number six. Still just mind-boggled by whatever the plan the Santos team had. Made not much sense. So give me Holly Juliana Pena. That would be so much damn fun. And for Santos, how about Macy Chiasen? I think that would be a great matchup. But could you imagine Holly home Juliana? Uh, Juliana be trying to get, you know... Get in her head. Holly, Holly will probably want to have it, but I think that would be a, a super fun matchup, and then the winner could get whoever Nunez fights next, which I don't believe she has a fight booked, right? I think she would fight in the, the bigger weight class or like Irene Aldana or something. She just had a baby. I, I'm not surprised she's taking some time, but I don't think she'll fight Juliana again right away. So I think she goes fight somewhere. The winner of Holly and Juliana can then fight Amanda. And then we had the main event, Corey Sandman Sandhagen with a split decision victory over Marlon Vera. And the first thing you read there, split decision, this was at least bare minimum four rounds to one, if not five to zero. You know, there's been a lot of criticism to the judge that whatever the fuck he was watching gave Marlon, uh, you know, uh, the scorecards. 
Uh, very, very terrible judging, but like they say all the time, don't let it go to the judges. Um, Corey, you know, thank God got the decision. If not, there would have been utter chaos. Um, but this wasn't quite the, uh, about, this wasn't the show that we had expected. These two guys, where they're at, their recent fights, you would think this would be chaos, but Sanhagen stuck to his game plan, had amazing footwork, was keeping at range, was piecing up, uh, Marlon. And although he's usually a slow starter, he never got things going. So to me, it's like, okay, why did he not get things going? Well, I don't think he was comfortable in the way Corey was fighting him with the switching of stances, which he did a lot. He's done that notoriously, though, so you'd think that would be part of the game plan. He has Perillo. Perillo and them were just saying, be more um, aggressive every round. By round three, he said, you have two rounds to knock this guy out. And it was clear cut, like you were losing in these fights. You were standing there, not delivering much. You know, Cheeto is as durable as they come, so he didn't take a lot of damage, although Corey was landing good shots. And Corey was even wrestling him, so maybe that threw off some of the game plan for, for Marlon. But at the very end of round five, you could see Marlon still has cardio, comes in with some big shots and starts landing on Corey. It's like, wouldn't you think around round three, you would start coming up like that, not at the very last 15 seconds around five? Um, I don't think there was injury. I don't think there was a... a you know, one of the things that I had, I had watched the new Timbo Sugar Show, which is the podcast with Sean O'Malley and, and Tim Welch, his coach. And Tim's idea is that he's been fighting with not a lot of fans recently in the Apex, things of that nature. This is actually supposed to be in the Apex. Got moved. Um, that he, he, he the, the, the aura that Texas brought, San Antonio coming out, the chaos of the crowd being the main event got to him a bit. I could see that a little bit. Uh, but I really do think it was the footwork, the movement, the striking ability of Corey, the switch, um, switch changes and also or the stance changes and also the grappling that he possessed. But I was just so shocked he wasn't at least doing the leg kicks that he typically does because he has great leg kicks, great um, calf kicks. He has a great up, up, up the middle front kick. And, and none of those weapons were, were being shown until way too late and the, the volume just wasn't there. I mean, when we look at the volume, Marlon landed 73 total strikes. 58 of those are significant. And I bet my best dollar, 20 of those came in round five. So it would have been 53 and 38 coming into round five, which is wild after four rounds. He did have one submission attempt and was 0 for 1 in his own takedowns. While Corey had 187 total strikes, 128 of those significant. And he had three takedowns and 12 attempts. So more than 100 total strikes, uh, more than um, doubled the significant strikes. And yeah, it was just a very interesting situation. Again, I think it was pure, purely Corey. Uh, Cheeto just could not diagnose it. I mean, you look at the Dominic Cruz fight, he could not diagnose Dominic Cruz. Uh, he ended up landing the big shot that uh, shut the lights out. And with even the old Sean O'Malley fight until Sean got hurt, Sean was piecing him up as well. So I think he just is struggling with those guys that are very quick in and out, changing stances, uh, and then he makes in the grappling. It's just he's just overwhelmed. His his mind could not process that. Uh, Corey, amazing performance though. I was confident he would win this one. I, I you know not confident enough to put money on it, but confident enough that I would have you know battled anybody on a sports television show. I gave some people shit on Twitter that were were picking Marlin. Uh, but Corey's the real fucking deal. Again, people forgot he damn near beat. Some people thought he beat TJ Dillashaw when TJ Dillashaw was still Killashaw. 
Uh, and I am I think very, very highly of TJ Dillashaw, whether you know, cheater EPO, whatever. And Corey's that guy. He's got the length, he's got the ability, uh, he's a problem. Uh, but he extends his winning streak to two after very brutal losses, even before his prime. He's only 30 guys against Pewter Jan and TJ Dillashaw. And he moves up two spots in the rankings to number three. He's battle-tested. He's had the ups and flows. His mentality's right. Every time I hear some, him say something or talk about mindset or the way he's studying, uh, being aggressive, he talked about that on the Joe Rogan podcast, this guy is fucking ready. Um, and this division has a bunch of fucking killers. Marlon has his impressive four-fight winning streak come to an end. He starts a new losing streak, moves down two spots to number five. And for me, everyone just wants to give the props to Marlon versus Sean O'Malley. Marlon beat him up, blah, blah, blah. That's what eats me up about Marlon, but I love Marlon. Rags to riches, come from nothing. The emotion, the support of his family. He's an amazing guy. I'm sure I could be friends with him. And he's friends with Action Bronson, which is like my dude, right? Action Bronson's that fucking guy. I love Action Bronson. I love his music. I should buy his new balances that came out. I love that he walked out to Action Bronson again. Uh, so, you know, no, no harm no foul. I do not have any beef with Marlon whatsoever. But Corey, there's levels to this game, and, and he's just, uh, you know, he, he rised above him, rose above him. Well, for me, it's got to be Marab and Corey. Maybe this Umar thing comes to fruition, but that's the only thing that makes sense. If Sean O'Malley's getting the winner of Henry Aljo, you know, Aljo said even if he wins, he's only going to fight Sean and then move up. Um, and then if Henry wins, who knows what's going to happen. He might retire, and then there's an interim. I have no idea. But supposedly, Sean is in the wing. Sean has been told that. He's been offered the backup fighter. I don't know if he's going to take that or not. So, Marab, all he's done. Corey, all he's done. You just put those two, eliminate them, unless Marab's going to sit and wait, which, who knows, but that's that just what makes sense. And then I think Marlon versus Pewter Jan would be fantastic. Pewter, couple losses, still gets to fight. A guy ranked in the top five. I think he deserves that. He's a killer. Either way, the bantamweight division, there is not a, uh, a lack of matchup potential whatsoever. And then up next, we have a Saturday off. We talked about Bellator, PFL, and Gamebred this weekend. Then it's a stacked pay-per-view in Miami, UFC 287, headlined by Alex Pieta and Israel Adesanya, the rematch uh, numero dos in UFC, numero, I think five, Cinco, um, overall with the kickboxing. I'm hyped up. The storylines around that rematch, I can't wait for the countdown. It does not get better than this. So let's preview the card a little bit. Let's see what, let's see what we got. So UFC 287, we got Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal. That's going to be fun. Rob Font, Adrian Yanez, Kevin Holland, Santiago Ponzinibbio, Raul Rosas Jr., the uh, young stud prospect taking on Christian Rodriguez. Kelvin Gasolum, Chris Curtis isn't even on the main card. Uh, you have Michael Chiesa looking for a short notice affair. Michelle Watterson Gomez taking on Luana Pinheiro. Chris Barnett, Chase Sherman, Gerald Mearshart, Joe Pfeiffer, be like Joe. Cynthia Cavillo, Lupita Godinez, Bahamondes, Trey Ogden. Almost every fight on there I am probably betting on and tuning into. That fucking card is stacked. I wish Miami was closer. I would make my way uh, over yonder. And then we're back in T-Mobile. Or actually, no. We're in T-Mobile Center, Kansas City, Missouri. 
little uh, fight night action in Missouri. And boy, is this card fucking stacked. Holy. You got Max Holloway, Arnold Allen. Arnold's weighing 164, looking shreddy. Max Holloway trying to get back on track. He's always been on track. He's just had to deal with Volk Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. That main event, probably one of more, my more hyped fights for the year. Edson Barboza, Billy Quarantillo, Azamat Merkanov versus Dustin Jacoby, Tanner Bozer, Jan Kutalaba, Pedro Munoz, Chris Gutierrez, Bill Algeo, TJ Brown, Clay Guida, golly, Rafa Garcia, Jillian Robertson, Piera Rodriguez, Brandon Royval, Methus Nicolau. I mean, this fight night card showing out. Again, if I had more free time, I'd be catching catching that in Missouri, that's for sure. And then the next weekend, still in April, Sergey Sergey Pavlovich, Curtis Blades. Blades said, "What do I have to do to get a title?" They said, "Fight Pavlovich." He's like, "Oh fuck! All right, let's do it." Gamer, love it. Songy Dong, Ricky Simone, Brad Tavares, Bruno Silva, Jeremiah Wells, Matthew Semmelsberger, Bobby Green, Jared Gordon, Brogan Walker. Yasmin, Lucindo, Ricky Glenn, Christos, uh, Giagos, Ronnie Yaha, Yaya, Montel Jackson, Carol Rosa versus Norma Dumont, uh, Muhammad Usman, Junior Taffa. Pretty solid, deep fight night card as well. That's at the Apex, sadly. Uh, Curtis Blades and Sergey Pavlovich in the Apex. Golly! That's going to be one of those crazy, just silent knockout noises that you hear. Woo! Um... Then finishing April, March and April are straight stacked up. Still in the apex, we got uh, Armand Saryukian, Renato Moicano, Emily Ducate, Poliana Viana, Chao Borjalo, Michael Oselishuk, Julian Arosa, Fernando Padilla, Rodolfo Vieira versus Cody Brundage, Charles Johnson versus Cody Durden. Some pretty uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta versus Marcos Rogeria de Lima. Another solid fight night card. And then we have another pay-per-view affair in Newark, New Jersey. Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo, Charles Oliveira, Benil Dariush, Jessica Andraj versus Sean Yon Yon, Drew Dober, Matt Fravola, Cron Gracie, Charles Jordan. Devin Clark versus Kennedy and Shukwu. Andre Petrosky versus Armin Petrosian. Marina Rodriguez, Verna Janderoba, Bryce Mitchell, Jonathan Pierce. Zalgas Zumagalov versus Nathan Maness. Johnny Munoz Jr. versus Daniel Santos. It's a, a great card. The main event's pretty stacked. I mean, 287's definitely looking like the star of the show. Then we have two more Apex fights in May before some time off. Whoops, what did I do here? We got May 13th, May 20th, then a week off before another fight night. Then UFC 289 in Las Vegas. Um, uh, Pay-per-view before International Fight Week. So let's just quickly see if there's anything here. The main event for the next fight night, Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker, Daniel Rodriguez, Ian Gary, Douglas Silva de Andrade versus Cody Stamen, Jarzinho Rosenstrike versus Jailton Almeida, Matt Brown versus Court McGee, the Tim Means-Murano fight, Mackenzie Dern, Angela Hill, 
Oberg Poteria fight. Um, Jessica Rose Clark versus Tanara Lisboa. So that's a, another solid fight night card. Then May 20th, the headliners Edmund Shabazian versus Anthony Hernandez. I don't know if that'll stay. Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus Bruno Fiera after the big knockout win. Carolina Kowalsiewicz versus Vanessa Dimopoulos. Alir Latifi, Rodrigo Nascimento. Still a lot of fights to be booked on that card. And then UFC 289 in June as of now. We got Eric Anders, Mark Andre Baralt. Jasmine Josh, Josh Duvicious versus Miranda Maverick. Yeah, so lots of good fun fights to come. Rumor is UFC 289 is actually not going to be in Las Vegas. It says it is right here. Uh, but UFC 280, or 290 is International Fight Week. I was going to write this down. Totally spaced it. But yeah, it's uh, supposedly going to happen in the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta. The problem is if the Calgary Flames make a deep playoff run, I guess it's not possible. So Calgary, more action in Canada. Lots of fight action, finishing up the month, going into April, PFL, Bellator, Gamebred 4. I'll give you my review of what was better next week, uh, and then we'll preview the upcoming UFC 287 card. Super stoked for that. Got the backdrop. Your boy's doing his thing. Rebrand coming soon. I'm telling y'all, stay tuned. See you next week.